Working Cows Podcast, episode 162. Welcome to the podcast that gives producers a platform to discuss and share paradigm-challenging practices. Practices that have increased the effectiveness of their operation and the joy that their families have received from this lifestyle. Howdy, everybody. It's Clay Connery, host of the Working Cows podcast, powered by the Global Ag Network here with another episode for you guys. And really excited to share with you a webinar from the Colorado section for the Society of Range Management. I was honored to lead a discussion with Mitch Dickman, the director of the Hand Ranch movie, as well as Maggie Hanna, uh, who joined us for that movie as well. And we talked about... uh, Many of the things connected to rural mental health, Uh, Commissioner of Agriculture Kate Greenberg from the Colorado Department of Agriculture was scheduled to be with us, but she was uh, in the middle of an evacuation, so she was not able to join us for the whole event, but you will hear a little bit from her on the front end, but really appreciate her uh, making an effort to join us even in the midst of a difficult circumstance, and also uh, really appreciate her investment in uh, issues related to uh, rural mental health. So going to be a couple of episodes this week, probably a couple of episodes uh, today. If you're listening to this one, episode 163 uh, should also be out in the very, very near future and uh, get those out. And then and next week, I will follow up episode 163 with a discussion with Kathy Voth of onpasture.com and Tip Hudson of the Art of Range podcast. They are the ones that will be joining me for that next discussion. I will say on the front end as well, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Ag State of Mind podcast, uh, helping to uh, normalize this conversation around mental health and uh, giving people tools for that conversation. So check that out and we will uh, talk to you a little bit at the end of the episode after uh, after the webinar. So here is that webinar. Good evening and welcome. My name is Emmett Jordan, and on behalf of the Colorado section of SRM, I'd like to thank you for being a part of the webinar. We're honored tonight to be joined by Mitch Dickman, filmmaker and the director of the Hannah Ranch movie, Colorado Department of Agricultural Commissioner Kate Greenberg, and Maggie Hannah. Maggie is a rancher and serves as the Director of External Relations for the Agricultural Land Trust. With that, the meeting is yours, Maggie. Thank you, Emmett, um, and welcome to our participants tonight. It is uh, maybe one of the honors of uh, my story to get to share it and to have an audience who continues to be interested and engaged in the conversation around rural mental health and mental health in agricultural communities. Um, As Emmett mentioned, I am Maggie Hanna. I am the Director of External Relations for the Colorado Cattlemen's Agricultural Land Trust. Uh, And I am a fourth generation uh, cattle operator in southeastern Colorado. My family has ranched southeast of Colorado Springs um, since the late 1940s and prior to that in northeastern New Mexico. So um, we're excited not Uh, to share the story with this community, but also appreciative of people receiving this story and being willing to ask questions and um, engage in the big dialogue around what mental health looks like in Colorado and the West and in our rural environments. 
Um, and I uh, am joined by Mitch Dickman and Commissioner Greenberg. Um, I think it speaks uh, volumes to Commissioner Greenberg's commitment to uh, rural mental health and mental health and ag communities that she's here with us tonight after, I think, maybe being evacuated um, by fires today. So um, just know that this is a huge value to her and that she's here with us tonight. So thanks, uh, Commissioner Greenberg, and thanks, Mitch, for joining us. And thanks, Emmett, for making this a possibility for your community. Uh, Commissioner Greenberg, if you would like to say hello so that you can um, capture the beginning of this meeting, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Thank you, Maggie. Um, thank you so much for having me here tonight. This, um, as Maggie mentioned, it's been quite a day here um, along the front range with these fires, um, but it felt even more relevant to be here tonight talking about rural mental health and all of the pieces of rural life that keep us connected and keep us whole. And so much of that is being felt right now with um, so many producers out with their horse trailers trying to move cattle out of harm's way and what that means for um, rural communities across the state. Um, so thank you again um, for the invitation. It's a real treat to be here with Maggie and Mitch um, and, and the crew. I have such um, respect for, for the work and story that they um, carry forth into the world. At the Department of Ag, you know, we are very, um, very conscious of, of the impact of mental health on our rural and agricultural communities. This has been work that we've been doing for a number of years and we've really doubled down this year, expanding our outreach across rural Colorado. Um, you know, I guess today's feeling pretty raw, just um, like I mentioned, so many folks are living uh, pretty stark reality when it comes to, uh, you know, responsibility across agriculture, across rural Colorado. Of course, that's why we're in it. We love this work. We love our communities and people show up for each other. You know, it just I'm thinking about the fires today and and how people just they drop everything that they're doing. They show up for each other. They have each other's backs, whether they are friends or not, um, whether they know one another or not. Um, you know, our community shows up when we need it. And in thinking about that as it applies to mental health, I think we're trying to really push a similar quality of community, right? That, you know, no matter what, as we always say, no matter what you're going through, you don't have to go through it alone. And we've got, we know what it takes to show up for our people. We know what it takes to show up for our neighbors. And with so much stress in rural Colorado and rural places, we've got to keep showing up for each other and it's in the same way we would as, as if there were a wildfire or a flood. So at the Department of Ag, we are really focused on, on destigmatizing that conversation and making it totally normal to talk about mental health, to say, hey, I'm struggling today and I don't know what to do, and to point people to a place where someone can help figure out how to navigate that moment in time. We partner with the Colorado Crisis Hotline and provide free confidential uh, crisis services to anyone in need. Um, that's 24-7, doesn't matter where you live, um, doesn't matter anything about who you are. You can be anyone, you can call. And there are folks who are trained to respond to farmers and ranchers to understand what producers face that's unique from other folks who are struggling with mental health. You know, I just, I think about the work that producers do every day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not farming right now in this job. I was farming before, but I've, you know, I'm, I'm meeting and, and getting to know so many folks across the state and continuing to work with farmers and ranchers, you know, all across Colorado who 
um, you know, you just keep one foot in front of the other. You just keep going, whether it's, you know, through a spring freeze or, you know, a record drought, you know, October wildfires, um, a pandemic, um, all of all of what we've faced this year, producers have, you know, faced multiple challenges um, that many can't can't quite imagine. And there does come a time when sometimes that takes a toll. And while we have, you know, a culture of pushing through and um, that means a lot to our community, the tenacity, the perseverance, um, it doesn't mean we're superhuman. And so we want to be sure that everyone across the state of Colorado has access to resources, can lean on each other, and also knows that asking for help is not something to be ashamed of. It's something, uh, you know, just like you would go to the doctor for a physical exam, you know, talking to a therapist or calling a hotline um, should be just as normal. It can be just as uh, part of normal life. And part of what we want to do, too, you know, is make sure that you can access these resources no matter uh, how close you are to a clinic. You don't have to drive into a clinic or have your truck parked outside. Um, You can call in and get the services you need. I want to say that it's people like Maggie and stories like hers and the courage to go out in the world and share that story uh, and work with people like Mitch who can turn that story into something that will move hearts um, that is really moving the needle on this. I mean, from the Department of Ag's perspective, we're trying to be here as a support, as a backstop, um, as a as a cheerleader for this work, and there are so many people um, on the ground who are really out there supporting their communities, having this conversation, connecting producers with resources, um, and advocating as well. You know, like we do uh, at the federal level, there's a lot going on there for resources for producers. We want to bring those here to Colorado, and again, make sure we've got the the network, the support system, um, and the conversations and the resources to support all of you in doing the work that you do every day. So it's a real honor to be with you tonight. Um, I I really am appreciative of this topic um, being part of your conference. Uh, I think it says a lot to um, the kind of thinking that SRM brings uh, to the field that that's really a whole picture. And without healthy hearts and minds and healthy people, um, we can't do the work out on the range. And that's, you know, it's all part of the same whole. So I'm, I hope you all um, enjoy your evening, uh, enjoy the film and the conversation afterwards. I might, I likely won't be able to join you because um, we're still dealing with evacuations, um, but I think there will be a lot of good, fruitful conversation. And please know you can reach out to the Department of Ag at any time. So Maggie, I'll hand it back to you and thanks everyone so much. Thank you, Commissioner Greenberg. Uh, I will take this opportunity to introduce uh, Mitch Dickman. Mitch Dickman produced the Hannah Ranch film. He uh, often is a bit reserved before screening. So I know, Mitch, this is not your favorite time to talk about how and why the movie came about. But um, in the effort of capturing our audience, um, I would like to introduce you now and um, hear a little bit about how this came to fruition. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Maggie. Thanks, Emmett. Uh, thanks, Commissioner Greenberg. Uh, sending love and support your way, hoping um, things go okay. And it means a lot that you would show up for something like this and make that connection. Um, uh, this started 12 years ago. Like, that's crazy. And I'm learning tonight. You know, that's the beautiful thing about um, you, Maggie, the people here in this room showing up on a Thursday night, there's a debate going on, I think, but we're here um, because we care. 
And um, I just read an article in the newspaper about Kirk and uh, couldn't stop thinking about it literally 12 years ago and um, had no idea that we'd still be sitting here talking. Um, so uh, I was inspired by Kirk's story and um, had no idea how involved in detail. I was not setting out to make a film about mental health um, and realize how important those issues were throughout the film and in the work that continues to be done afterwards. So um, I hope that the film, yeah, I do get shy before, um, and I do hope that the film sparks some conversations and um, really honored to be a part of this. And uh, hopefully it works in whatever it is. If uh, I, I've, I'm, I'm still making lots of movies and I played one back that was like one frame per second. So if it goes to that, we'll be patient. I'll, I'll share the film with everyone for free or whatever. Um, we can still have a relevant conversation um, Thank you for having me. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you, Mitch. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, I think Emmett, let's let's roll the film. Well, very very good. Very much appreciate that opportunity to uh, view that uh, documentary. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Maggie and uh, Mitch for joining us today. Of course, thanks to Commissioner Greenberg for being here earlier, and uh, despite some difficult circumstances. Um, Maggie, I'll start out with you and uh, just really, really appreciate you being here this evening. Um, what have you seen uh, the fruit of your your dad's work be uh, as you have ventured into uh, the Colorado Agland Trust and, and some of those things? How have you continued to see the fruit of that work uh, that he started with the conservation easements uh, going forward into the day? Thanks, Clay. Uh, thanks, everyone, for sticking it out through the whole thing. I'm impressed we still have full attendance. <laughs> uh, I am maybe like just a little overboard in answering this question, but I literally live and breathe the fruits of his life and labor. Um, he was a founding member of the Colorado Cattlemen's Agricultural Land Trust, of which I serve as a director of external relations today. I have the opportunity to operate a fourth generation cattle operation that is in fact conserved. So I get to live and work that um, on both sides of the fence. Um, I We operate with a lot of his original philosophies. Um, I did uh, with some help from NRCS and a couple good neighbors redesign his fencing program, but <laughs> um, uh, things change over 25 years. Um, but I mean, I, I have the opportunity to really live out a huge part of, I think, his vision. Um, I am conflicted all the time if I am doing it well or in uh, the fashion that he would have chosen for me. But he is relevant in every part of my life today. And I think, and Mitch and I talk about this a lot, but I think one of the things that we um, sometimes forget to do about around the community members that we lose along the way is celebrate them and bring them forward into our future. And one of the things that was um, both really challenging for the family to overcome in terms of agreeing to go through this process with Mitch and his team, but I think has been a huge gift is that it gave life to this person that I knew as a child, but now have the opportunity to kind of learn as an adult and understand and 
Um, I think one of the really special parts of this history is that I still have the opportunity to work with a lot of the people that were in the film that were working alongside him in the mid nineties. Um, so he is relevant. Um, I think there's probably a few people on this call that have been in the Colorado Cattlemen's Association boardroom, but in the basement of the CCA building, there is a wall of all of the past presidents and his picture hangs on the wall. So anytime I think about mouthing off or um, uh, not doing work uh, up, to, up to par, <laughs> I know that someone is watching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I did notice the fencing. There was a, there was a lot of wood posts and and uh, many strands of barbed wire fence involved. <laughs> yes. So we've done some updates, but not not fully. So the people who drive down the road might question it. <laughs> yeah. Mitch, Mitch, thank you so much for being here, and uh, thanks for thanks for, for undertaking and making this movie, um, this documentary, very very powerful. Uh, very much necessary. Uh, what was it about Kirk's story that drew you, uh, that article that you mentioned in the introduction, what was it about Kirk's story that drew you in? You know, the idea of an eco-cowboy, I'm, I'm interested um, in kind of the unexpected. And I think that's really what drew me in. Um, I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. I need to learn more. I need to find out more. Um, and, you know, my industry um, is not great sometimes of dealing with um, tragedies. That was a learning process for me as far as the tragic story. Um, I obviously knew that at the time, but was didn't know what part of the film that would be. And that's why I'm grateful to the Hannah family that, you know, very quickly upon meeting Anne, um, it's not in my nature to try to exploit or sensationalize anything like that, but I actually originally pitched a fiction film based on the idea of that. And she's like, Oh, oh hell no. You know, pretty much was like, that's not going to work. And she rolled out all those newspaper articles on the floor. And I was like, um, she's like, you can make a documentary. And so it just became this process and this collaboration of like, really, I, I became a better filmmaker. I learned so much through the process um, and uh, got to know Kirk throughout the film through finding the footage, through working with Maggie that, um, it really continues to be a learning process that I'm forever grateful for. Yeah, that that uh, footage, uh, all the all the home video stuff was a, just a treasure trove of of content for you. Yeah, we we I mean we had a movie, we had a story before, but you know we didn't really have a movie, and I'll I'll never forget the day uh, we found two different batches. One was the Super Eight film and the old Frost House. Right, Maggie, is that what you yeah. guys refer to it as, the big house? Yeah. And then the VHS tapes and their house, their old house. And it's kind of like, there's nothing you can do with it. It's kind of like Christmas. Like you see the Christmas presents, but like you don't know what's on there because who has a VHS player anymore or who can develop film. But then as we got that back, not only in our new editor, uh, Davis Coombe, he really was great at using that archival, but it was also like Kirk was helping us make the film because there's so few frames of him being in it. And it was more, he was capturing this because he was so visionary and ahead of his time that he really like helped us make the film. And that was a beautiful part of the experience too. So you were, you were drawn in. What, what was your background? What was your uh, kind of your tribe, your community uh, that caused you to be intrigued by the idea of an eco cowboy? 
the first job I had was as a writer for a small newspaper in the middle of Missouri. And I do remember my grandfather going to cattle sales and stuff like that. But I was, I got out of Missouri to go to Colorado to be a ski bum and be a journalist and make films about my political thoughts and those kind of things. Yeah. It was just working with uh, one of the other producers, Carl Kister, um, the idea of, of following the story. And we didn't know it was going to take five years to do, but um it was really the transition into documentary filmmaking for me. Um, so that became the tribe and the people we make our films with become part of the tribe too. I mean, we ended up in one of their holiday cards. Um, so we're very grateful for that. Very cool. And Maggie, I'm going to come back to you. The question from the Q and a here, but I do want to uh, acknowledge something as we move forward. Uh, Commissioner Greenberg, as we said, was involved in an evacuation with the fires and, uh, we're, we're thinking about them and, and hoping for the best there. But uh, she did want me to pass along a phone number for uh, people who need to talk, 844-493-8255. If you need to, need to talk, the Colorado Crisis Services uh, hotline, you can call 844-493-8255 or text TALK to 38255. That's text the word TALK to 38255. And there's an opportunity there. Uh, to talk. Maggie, we got a question in the Q&A. It says, in your opinion, what's the best way to bridge m- mental health conversations in the ranching community? Such a good question. And I think um, one of the things that is, I think, important about how we roll out programs, wh- whether they're related to economic recovery or mental health or range management, is that programs really should come organically from a community. And like there are all these services at the state level and those are really, really important tools. But like the community that I come from, um, I think we have the ability to check in on each other. And um, I think because of my experience and the fact that the community around me shared part of that, um, we have a a tolerance for checking in on people and making sure like, Hey, are you, you doing okay? Are you sure you're doing okay? <laughs> um, is really important. And I think the, the, the role that I have felt like I played in this story as I've carried it forward is just talking about it. Um, making mental health part of our vocabulary is really important. You know, I think when we have a vocabulary that is foreign to us, it feels scary or daunting or something that we can't overcome or something that we can't process together. Um, But when we bring it back to our, our vocabularies, our daily check-ins, our um, sort of regular, how we function as humans and as a community, it becomes not comfortable, but um, approachable. And I think that's the place that we really need to get. Um, I think just to follow up on uh, Commissioner Greenberg's uh, telephone number that she referenced, um, the Department of Ag has done a lot of work in terms of getting resources out organically into communities, like through veterinarians or, um, you know, range folks or our field staff, our state field staff, our extension offices. I think they have done a really good job of equipping everyone with the ability to have conversations that are bigger and broader. Um, And I think just, you know, how do we have this conversation? I think we have to show up for people and just keep showing up. Um, uh, Even when they say uh, not today. (laughs) 
And I, I think that there's always a this kind of conflict. Am I the right person to have this conversation? Uh, but if you're in that person's life, you're the right person. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to take that first step. And, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot is you might not be good at it the first time, but it's important to try and and to use resources uh, like the Colorado Department of Agriculture's uh, rural health mental or rural mental health toolkit and and track those resources down and familiarize yourself with them and and use some look for the signs and and start the conversation. And I think I mean I'll just put this plug in because we are dealing with it. Um, this was a really hard year for a variety of reasons. And then on top of it, we are as dry as anyone has ever seen it uh, in my part of the world. And like so much of the mental burden that I think ag producers carry are things beyond our control. And you think if I can't control it, I shouldn't complain about it. It shouldn't bother me. But guess what? It does. It's really hard. It's really scary. It's scary to not see a path forward. And I think knowing that we are in these scenarios together and like our independent operations are unique and they're different and we have different family challenges, but like there is a shared experience in this particular community that is beyond what many communities have the privilege of sharing. So we're in this rough water together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the weather, the weather affects everybody in, in it's uh yeah, it's something that you you are all sharing, and you can all uh, gather together and and share ideas and resources for for getting through it together. Mitch, um, how have you continued um, to be impacted by this story, and how have you continued to to uh, share the story uh, that you that you were a part of of telling through this movie? That's a lot there. I can go a lot of different directions. Um, one, I mean, uh, you know, Maggie and I talked in between this and Maggie babysit my daughter whose birthday, who was due on Kirk's birthday. Like it, it's just, we become family um, and friends and it transcends film, you know, that's like the secret, you know, kind of joy that we get from that standpoint that I think is worth sharing. That's not like you tell a story, you uh, take advantage of a situation and then move in and move out like you do. It, it becomes deep, which is beautiful. And in 12 years, that's, that's pretty great. Like my daughter's like, when can I see Maggie again? So that's, that's one thing. Um, on a personal level, I am in therapy and I talk about Kirk within that. And um, it's not always easy. And, um, but he's, he's, um, it's, it's hard to put into words. So it's something I'm still working through and, um, something that I relate to now more probably than even when I did when I was making the film. Um, and then lastly, um, to kind of bring it back to work, it's always about that. Um, I didn't even tell Maggie this, but I just shot an anti-human trafficking campaign. I did tell her that I was doing this. Um, but uh, And there's some human trafficking within the agriculture community. I was trying to be very mindful about finding a location that's based on Anyways, long story, found this farm, knocked on the door, and the person that answered, one I thought was Anne, just reminded me of Anne. And she's like, I got two minutes. What do you need? And I was like, just want you to know, I made this movie called Hannah Ranch. And she's like, I teach that in my college class. And her whole farm is under conservation easement, like just outside of Denver. And it just became this like, then she welcomed me in as family. And like, we walked the farm uh, for, you know, 45 minutes and we shot a commercial there. So like, 
Kirk lives on in that way and in other campaigns and, and the kind of, not just as an individual, but the idea of the conservation easement and protecting that. She's like, yep, she's surrounded by development, but she's like, this is always going to be a farm. And so that was a really cool experience. That was just like a week or two ago. We've got a question here in the Q&A. It says, I might have missed this, but how can we access the film and share it? Um, I tracked it down on Amazon Prime. Uh, other other places that you want to let us know about, Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Amazon Prime and iTunes. and um, But really, these kind of screenings, like it was Emmett Jordan reaching out to me six months ago, seven months ago, which I was so grateful for. Like, it's getting people together to share it collectively. That's really cool. You could, I'll put my personal information in there that if anyone's interested in something like that, be happy to share a private link to do so, which is what we did tonight. Um, Cause it's really about having an impact. Um, but otherwise, yes, Amazon prime and iTunes and um, those kind of places. Yeah. Another question from the Q and a, and by the way, if you want to uh, participate and a- ask the panelists a question, go ahead and drop them into the Q and a box there down in the middle of your screen and we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, but it says just a thought. I think mentoring starting early in adult life is important to rural health rural mental health. In addition, starting the open communication process with your children could help. So uh, Maggie, do you know of any, any resources uh, that can kind of, or, or even mentoring networks that, that could help with this conversation? I, off the top of my head, um, don't know about any mentoring programs, but I do know that Mental Health Colorado put together an education uh, mental health toolkit for school districts. So there is access um, for the classroom. Um, In terms of having the conversation uh, with family, I think the Department of Ag has some good resources on their website. Um, I myself don't have children and um, these resources did not exist when I myself was a child navigating. Um, So I can't name any off the top of my list, but I am just sure they exist. Um, I also just would point out that in 1998, this was a conversation around mental illness. And today it's 2020 and we're having a conversation about mental wellness and mental health. And I think that alone is like a really huge step forward that like, this isn't the plague. Um, This is something we all have to take care of. Um, So I, I do think progress has been made and um, I know that good resources exist, but again, for having conversations at the family level, I, I would be glad to do that homework for you. Whoever asked that question. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think that's kind of goes back to the idea of normalizing the conversation around mental health. Um, especially in, in years like this, uh, dry, dry spells, uh, dry seasons, I think 2008, when this film, uh, was kind of in the process of being made was part of a dry decade. So, uh, you know, there, there can be difficult times and, uh, it can wear on people. And so normalizing that process of starting and having these conversations around mental health is going to be a big, a big thing moving forward. And we, we should prepare in, in all at all times, but prepare in good times so that when the hard times hit, we're ready, ready to have those conversations. Uh, got a great question here in the Q and a, uh, the ranching community is tightly knit. What's the best way for an outsider to bring information and resources to these communities. And I'd, I'd like to hear from both of you if you if you want to participate in that conversation, but we'll start with Maggie. I wish I had good answers. Um, I, think, uh, I think the most important thing for rural environments, and I'll go a little bit broad, more broadly than just the ranching community, but 
For rural communities, I think it's really important that as an outsider, first, that you're there to listen um, and to hear and to like appreciate the challenges of a community. Um, I think it's easy to be on the outside and say, you know, I really think this is a good resource for you. (laughs) And I think that's sort of where we, and even this goes back to like the ag and the environmental community, you know, it's easy to prescribe something from the outside and not have a full appreciation for what is happening or what has happened. Um, So I think the first step is being a listener. And the second step is um, understanding the resources that do exist. And I think equipping the people who are, closer to the challenge. Um, Like I know in my community, if an outsider um, showed up with uh, some interesting information, it would be received, but it might be better received if it came from a neighbor or the vet or, um, you know, the people that they spend their days and weeks working with. Um, But not to say that someone who's not a rancher can't support a rancher. Um, I just think there's some relationship building that should happen before um, we really start delivering tools directly. Do you have any thoughts uh, regarding that, Mitch? Maybe uh, I don't. Yes. I don't want to say that you're necessarily an outsider, but uh, as somebody who who came <sighs> to this community and and started this process of telling this story, do you have any thoughts on on bringing bringing in? Yeah. I have all the answers. That's, that's the thing. It's just walk in like, you know, everything and tell people this is what it is. Um, no, I, uh, I mean, I still go back to that meeting with Ann. Like I just felt so uncomfortable. Like that was this cheesy producer. I'm from Denver. I'm Denver now, but originally from Missouri, but I just was myself and, uh, it was such a kind and welcoming community. And, um, it's almost like Maggie's like on brand. My company is called listen productions. And that's like a fundamental ethos of there is nothing to say or to do, but it is asking questions. And I think if we ask questions and listen versus tell people what we think is right, we're definitely in that mode right now. So I, I fundamentally, um, agree with that. And there's just so many, talented and smart people um, that are specialized in certain things. So partnering um, and networking. And as Maggie was saying from the beginning that like we're in this together. So not feeling like you have to save everything yourself or have the answers and that it's okay to question stuff. I think I'll, I'll just add um, Southeast uh, mental health uh, program had a campaign a couple of years ago about um, the fact that we, you know, are we keeping an eye on our neighbors? Like we keep an eye on their cattle, you know, like we know when our neighbor's cattle are on the road or when someone has driven through the fence, we know when water is at off, you know, like we are paying attention to these communities on a pretty intricate level. And are we paying each attention to each other on that level? Um, I think is the charge we should all take to like, we owe it to each other to take care of each other. Um, if this is going to work and, whether you're an insider or an outsider to the ranching community, like we kind of owe that as humans, <laughs> you know, just when things are off, you know, you have a gut reaction. Yeah. And I think it's part of that, that personal responsibility of educating yourself mm-hmm. so that you can see the signs uh, in people who are close to you and and in people who aren't close to you and then caring enough about your fellow human to, to initiate an uncomfortable conversation. What are you? What are what are some of the other thoughts uh, that that you would like to to share, Maggie, with those who uh, are tuning in, who might watch this later at an archive time? Uh, what are some of the other 
things you would like to communicate? Oh, gosh, I wish I had a bulleted list for you. Um, the first thing I want to communicate is that we are seven years after the delivery of this film into the world. And the fact that you guys continue to give it life by making it relevant and having a conversation around mental health and what ag looks like in this modern West and what development pressure looks like and what we see for our shared future um, is a really big deal. It's big to my family. It's big to me. It's big to my career. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, I think one of the like really special pieces of this film is that nothing is ever, nothing is just laid out on the table as like, this is the silver bullet. This is the change the light bulb documentary. What I have always taken from this film is that like, we have to take care of each other and whether that is um, your family or your community or your neighborhood or the ranching community or range, um, you know, like we have to see a future and um, figure out how to share in it. Um, I, I continue to leave this on the table because I'm, I'm never really sure what role I need to play in the mental health community because this is only partially my story. Um, but I want to be a resource. If anyone on this webinar has questions, um, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Uh, I never feel like I'm doing this story justice, but I'm here and I'm willing to talk about it. <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that Commissioner Greenberg and I have talked a lot about is you know, I took on the role of um, being sort of our family spokesperson and communicating about rural mental health. And I've been on some rural mental health boards and I just felt like I wasn't walking the walk. And so um, Mitch is helping me um, and I'm working on navigating my own mental wellness program, <laughs> you know, and these are things that like I want to take care of too. And I want to make sure that if, um, if I'm going to, tout this, that I too take part in making sure that mental health is a priority for my own family and myself. Um, so those are the scary parts of this is that it's still a vulnerable part of our lives. You know, this is never going to be, um, what we share, uh, just outwardly, but, um, yeah, I charge all of us to take care of our neighbors and especially this year. And as we head through the fall and winter and, look at a dry spring. Um, we owe it to each other and we owe it to our legacies and our future um, to make sure that these landscapes and these communities can exist in the future. Hmm. Mitch, any anything you'd like to share in the way of final thoughts? No, I mean, thank you for, for great questions and being here. And I think I really respect Maggie. Um, and it's, I mean, not to say she's great, but like 12 years, she's like, become a powerhouse and it's been really cool to see that you know like watch out um and it's cool to see the good work that she's doing so i defer to a lot of things that she said on that but with her walking the walk it's like i just made the analogy earlier like you put your own box oxygen mask on first if the plane's going down so like we just have to take care of ourselves i'm really guilty of that like i'm super busy all the time and I need to take care of myself. And then I also need to take care of my family. Like this was such a family story, you know, that like I had no idea what I was walking into with Steve and Kirk and Jay and just all of that kind of stuff. And I'm going to go down and have dinner with my wife and kids and spend some family time. And so I encourage all of us to hug those close to us that we can. And um, yeah, it's really, really very cool of everyone here to, to pull this together. Yeah, I agree very much. Uh, feel, uh, 
overwhelmed, intimidated, and but privileged to be a part of this conversation. And uh, thank you both for being a part of it. Um, either of you have any favorite organizations where a don- donation could be made to support uh, mental health f- efforts or, or maybe even volunteer time that could be given in that way? Any, any, anything that comes to mind in that way? Um, I wish I'd been prepared for this question. I know that there's so many good ones. Um, I I have worked with Mental Health Colorado. They are largely a policy and advocacy group. Um, so working at the state house. So if that is the interest in mental health that you have, um, they are a good organization. I think um, the crisis hotline uh, has some opportunities for philanthropic engagement. Um, and I uh, would assume that the Department of Ag website has a couple of their resources that are um, charitable and would gladly accept uh, resources. Um, For some of our rural communities, our mental health programs come through our hospitals. So um, if that is of interest, I I am working with um, Colorado Farm Bureau on Um, a very cool potential program uh, to roll out uh, in the next couple of months. Um, So you might reach out to Farm Bureau if anyone's a member. Um, They have some pretty cool resources around as well. And one of the many threads that comes together to to make this film what it is, uh, again, Mitch, great job. You you told a story that uh, ranchers identify with and want to sit down and watch uh, my dad and my mom being two of them and they've they've passed it along to the South Dakota Agland Trust and and they're they're using it in their board meetings and different things like that so uh just well done Mitch and, and continue, Thank you so much. continued uh success in that way uh but one of the other threads that makes this movie what it is is the idea of development what's the future of urban and rangeland relations Maggie I think you're the you're the resident expert on that one yeah, uh, I I think every time I watch it, I'm um, excited about how far we've come. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, 30 years ago, a conservation easement was a tool that had been developed by the environmental community. It was very scary to the ag community. And in 2020, the ag community is seeing conservation easements as an economic recovery tool. This is a way that we can create liquidity in our operations without any sort of disposal Um, It allows us to transition properties. It allows us to um, grow operations. It allows us to pay down debt. It allows us to buy out siblings. So the tool is flexible for families. Um, I think, and I am so excited to hear that you're connected to the South Dakota Ag Land Trust because we were involved in kind of helping those guys get off the ground. Um, And South Dakota has a cool program because they have so many partners in getting the Ag Land Trust off the ground. This is um, farming and ranching. Um, I I think we have some unique challenges in especially Colorado and how um, we value conservation easements. Um, And so lands that are on the front range often become almost too expensive to make conservation work. Um, so there are some economic challenges that we need to overcome, but, um, we, the Cattlemen's Ag Land Trust is working with, um, CSU's Ag Economics Department to put together some, uh, hopefully unique, uh, programs that would allow conservation to be valued differently in the future. Um, so we're excited about that opportunity and, what are the relations between, uh, urban and rural, uh, in the conservation sphere? (sighs) 
lot of time to ask it. Um, I think um, I think if the pandemic gave us any gift, it was that we needed to pay attention to where our food was coming from. <laughs> and we suddenly valued where we find uh, comfort in the outdoors and nature and everyone was clamoring to be outside. Um, and so there was this new value on our food system and on our natural environment. And I think that was really important. I think we need to make sure that we carry it forward. Um, but I also think we have some like really deep challenges and like in the state of Colorado, we have some ballot initiatives that will serve really to just drive a wedge between rural and urban communities, just based on population bases. And I'm nervous that that is, um, just not a place that creates trust and respect in a way that I hope it did, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, so uh, I think there's a lot of things to be hopeful and excited about in terms of our relationships um, across rural and urban boundaries, but I think we have plenty of work to do. And if that was from an urban person, thank you so much for being here. It was from a rural person, <laughs> find an urban friend. <laughs> 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 yep. Yep. Share your story. Yeah. So Larry Stomprud, who was a former director of the South Dakota Ag Land Trust, um, is my neighbor and I'm a member of the South Dakota Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee. And so uh, there, there's a lot of, I think they're a founding founding partner of the South yeah. Dakota Ag Land Trust. So um, interesting thing about Larry, just another side note, he was also a founding member of the South Dakota Grassland Coalition, who's I think also a partner in the Ag Land Trust. So he's a, he's a neat guy. Good That's one awesome. to have good one to have on our side. So uh, Mitch and, and Maggie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very, very powerful evening. Uh, really appreciate it. Our rural communities have always come together to help our neighbors in a time of need. And that's what this effort is all about, pulling together to help others through this stressful time. Uh, please reach out to the Colorado Crisis Services online if you or someone you know is struggling. Uh, again, that phone number is 844-493-8255 or text TALK to 38255, 844-493-8255. Uh, thanks also to Commissioner Greenberg for jumping in in an incredibly stressful time in her her life uh, in this evening with the evacuations that she's, she's subject to. So really appreciate that. Uh, Sincere thanks for everybody who attended, who joined us this evening. Uh, please join us at 11 a.m. on Tuesday for the next Colorado SRM webinar, uh, talking about building online communities, talking about how conversation promotes deep thinking. And uh, Tip Hudson's going to share that. Kathy, Vogt's gonna, Kathy Voth is going to talk about building online communities. And I'm going to talk about what I've learned in 150 plus podcast episodes. So that's what we got coming up. One more thing I did want to promote. Uh, a friend of mine, Jason Meadows, has started the Ag State of Mind podcast. And it's all about normalizing the conversation around mental health, specifically in agriculture. So uh, you can check that out. He's part of the Global Ag Network uh, and very good resource there. So. If, if we haven't left anything on the on the table, Maggie, what what were you saying? I was just wondering if he's accepting donations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds For like sure. a very. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's actually a pharmacist in Missouri, and so I qualified on a few different fronts: pharmacist, rancher, and uh, trying to start that conversation. So pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Yep. Uh, thank you, Clay. For your time. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Have a great night. Again, thank you to the Colorado section for the Society of Range Management. Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, join them. Thanks to Mitch Dickman, Ma Maggie Hanna, uh, Kate Greenberg, 
and all the people that made uh, the the webinar series go as smoothly as it did and really uh, look forward to sharing with you uh, the entirety of the webinar with uh, Kathy Voth and Tip Hudson and myself uh, coming up next on the Working Cows podcast. You'll find that very soon at uh, workingcows.net slash 163. Show notes page for today with links to the uh, other webinars in the series as well as links to the Ag State of Mind podcast can be found at workingcows.net slash 162. So uh, be on the lookout for the other episode. Check that out and then be on the lookout next week for my episode with... uh, Tip Hudson and Kathy Voth. Another thing, uh, another thing that I, I didn't draw attention to, uh, just been busy with fall work and different things going on around here. Uh, but I did not draw, draw attention to the fact that we are just past three years of podcasting, uh, here at the, at the working cows podcast to really appreciate all of you guys and you, uh, tuning in every week and all the feedback that I've received and everything you guys uh, a really great community and really appreciate uh, all the all the relationships that have been started as a result of this podcast. So we'll see you real soon with another episode of the Working Cows podcast. We invite you to visit workingcows.net to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher. You'll also find detailed show notes pages, resources from our guests, and the industry leaders who have influenced them. For more ideas on putting your cows to work for you in a more profitable way, tune in next week.